I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Chrysanthemum and the Sword, and it's by Ruth Benedict. It was written in 1945, commissioned by the United States government, because we were at war with Japan. And the question was, who are these people? What's it going to take to defeat them? And once we defeat them, what's it going to be like to deal with them? Sort of like Ray, I'm sort of a samurai movie guy. And I thought I knew a lot about Japan, but I find out I didn't know much of anything about Japan. And that translates, interestingly enough, to the Bible. Because if we can't understand a culture that is contemporary with us and just separated with us from some distance, how on earth can we understand a culture and a book that was written 3,500 years ago? There's a scholar that I very much enjoy, a guy named uh, James Kugel. He's a Jew, not a messianic. He's a professor of Middle Eastern and Semitic languages, and he's written a number of books, several of which I've read, and, and they are just wonderful. And one of them is called The Bible as It Was, and another one is The God of Old. And what he tries to do is go back and put you into, for example, the time of Abraham. And what was that really like? What was the culture there? And then I was reading last night a rabbi, and he had a phrase, and it was actually just part of a sentence, and it wasn't what he was even talking about. The confidence of knowing. If you know something, you can be confident in it. So the question is, given this book that was written 3,500 years ago and our difficulty of understanding other cultures, how do we obtain the confidence of knowing so that we can be bold in proclaiming what we believe? Because if you're just proclaiming something because somebody else has told you and you think it's right, you will not be nearly as effective as if you know. And confidence, by the way, is Latin word. It means with fidelity, with trust. So how do we do that? Now, every age struggles with faith and confidence. It, different struggles at different times, but every age has it. So we saw today in the Torah portion, Abraham. And God made him a promise in Genesis 12. And we get all the way to Genesis 15, and Abraham goes before God and says, God, what are you going to give me? I've got no children. I mean, you promised you're going to be with me and all that, but I'm a dead end. What is it that you can possibly give me in this world that is going to compensate for not having children? And God then assures him that, yeah, you're going to have children and it's going to be with Sarah and so forth. So Abraham is struggling with confidence. Because back in Genesis 12, he's got a vision from the Lord. God's talking to him. I mean, how much more powerful can that be than to have God talk to you? I mean, you, you have a literal word from God. Yet three chapters later, he's got no confidence. He says, God, I'm doing what you told me to do, but I've got no children. Fast forward. You have the nation Israel in Egypt. And you have God 
wrecking Egypt, taking them out of the place, splitting the sea in front of them, bringing water from the rock, manna from heaven. Yet when Moses goes up into the mountain for 40 days, they lose confidence. And they build a golden calf because they've lost confidence in a mere 40 days. This is after, as I say, they've gone through miracles and stuff that, you know, Revelation says we may be a generation that sees the same kind of stuff, but up until now we haven't seen anything like what they saw, yet they lost confidence within 40 days. Then God says, go up into the land, take it. And they send spies. And the spies come back and destroy their confidence. They have no confidence that they can take the land. They're giants there. We're like grasshoppers. We got no confidence whatsoever. And this is, again, they got Moses in their presence. You got manna coming down from heaven. You got water from the rock. You got fire falling down from heaven and all that kind of stuff. And they lose confidence. You begin to see the pattern. Messianic generation that we're reading about in the book of John. They've got the very Messiah there. And by the way, Yeshua speaks with confidence. I mean, that's what the book of John is all about. He just said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the light of the world. This man speaks with confidence. No doubt whatsoever in his mind as he speaks. And some people respond to that confidence and believe, but other people don't have confidence. They say, if this guy is not really the Messiah, what's going to happen is he's going to lead us into rebellion. The Romans are going to crush us. And we've got the same fear as they had with the sin of the spies. We're going to go up into the land. God's not going to be with us. And we're going to be crushed like grasshoppers. And so the generation that has the Messiah among them can't muster the confidence to do what he says to do. So fast forward to today. One of the things that we have in the church is a lack of confidence. We don't have the confidence to step out and do what Tim was praying for. What if it doesn't work? One of the stories that I tell, many of you know, I didn't come to faith until I was in my 40s. And I just sort of decided, that's what the book says, I'm going to follow the directions. And it says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But God, what if I lay hands on the sick and they drop dead? I'm not sure I've got the confidence to do that. And I just decided, that's not my problem. If I lay hands on the sick and they drop dead, I step over the corpse and go on to the next one. It's not my problem, it's God's problem, what he wants to do. So what we've got now is we've got a generation that lives in abundance. This country generates wealth like has never been seen in the history of mankind. It just hasn't. And wealth is good. God promises Abraham wealth. He uses wealth to motivate us. So I am not speaking against wealth. But what I am saying is, when you have something to lose, just like the spies had something to lose, they were afraid they were going to lose their families if they went up and got militarily defeated. Just like the generation of the Messiah had something to lose. They feared that if this guy led them astray, they would lose their place. So we're living in abundance, and we have something to lose. And so it's very difficult for us to muster the confidence to do what God has told us to do because in that there is risk. And so 
if you go into your workplace and you start proclaiming the word of God, there's a very good chance you could be fired because some snowflake may become offended. Every generation has this problem. Generations where they live in poverty and where they're struggling to survive in many ways have it easier because they've got nothing else to trust in. What we've got to trust in is all this wealth that we have generated. And one of the things that we're seeing right now is people who have trusted in wealth and power have all of a sudden had it taken away from them. That's what's going on in the news right now. Hollywood, for example, very, very powerful people who are movers and shakers in the culture, who shape the culture, who have wealth beyond my imagining. I just can't imagine how much money some of these people have and power. And all of a sudden, in a day, it's gone. They've lost their position. They've lost everything. And in some cases, praise God, because the things that they are doing with that wealth are not things that would be pleasing to God. I'll read a couple of pieces of scripture. Proverbs 10.15 A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. And what that says is wealth and riches are a strong city. And when we were in Proverbs, we talked about this on Tuesday night. And what that means is if you have got a healthy bank account and your car doesn't start, you can go down to the parts store and buy a battery and put it in there and you move right along and it, I mean, you know, 100 bucks, it doesn't really bother you very much. But someone who is poor, that kind of a thing becomes a catastrophe. I don't have 100 bucks, which means my car doesn't work, which means I can't get to work, which means all sorts of dire things happen for this relatively small thing. So a rich man, his wealth is a strong fortress in that sense. But if you go then down to Proverbs 11.28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Those two things say something contradictory. And what the second one is saying is, when the Babylonians are coming down, your wealth will not do you any good because everybody's going to Babylon. And your wealth ceases to be a strong fortress under those circumstances. In other words, if you've got a car battery that has gone out on you, your wealth is a protection. It's a good thing. But if your society is such that you've got Babylonians at the door, your wealth is not going to do you any good at all. So it says two things that seem to be opposite, but they're not. And so as we go through the world today, the question becomes, how do we have confidence? How do we have the confidence to do what we need to do and trust that God is going to be able to sort things out when we fail and when the world comes against us and so forth? And I'll give you some thoughts. You've all been in this for a while, or most of you have anyway. And one of the things that somebody said this morning, taste and see that the Lord is good. So one of the things, as you walk in God's ways for a while, you discover that your life goes better. And you look around at the world and you see people who are not walking in God's ways and you see that their lives, they'll go along for a while, but eventually their life goes into the dumper. Not immediately, because remember, this society generates wealth that is unimaginable would not have been imaginable to any other society in the history of the earth. So in the sense that wealth is a strong fortress, 
you have people who are able to go through their lives not walking in God's ways and they do okay because in the sense their wealth is a strong fortress but one of the things you know is as they go through that life at some point they are going to hit something where their wealth ceases to be a strong fortress and everything goes into the dumper Carolyn Darv you work with people who through addiction and so forth even in the midst of abundance their lives have gone wrong simply because they haven't walked according to God's word you all know people like that so the first thing is walking in his ways and tasting and see that the Lord is good you develop confidence and that's a good thing but there's something else let's go back and I started off this thing with the idea that we don't even understand the Japanese much less the Saudis or much less the Chinese or much less the Brazilians we don't understand other cultures so how can we understand the culture that wrote this book 3,500 years ago and one way is walking in it but the second thing that you have for your confidence is the Jews the existence of the Jews is absolute proof that the stuff written in this book is trustworthy because that is a society that has existed for 3,500 years and they've gone into exile, they've gone sideways, I mean all sorts of stuff has happened to them but they still exist as a people and they still speak the language that they spoke 3,500 years ago. There is no other society on earth that you can say that about. I looked it up last night, you know, old religions, Confucius, Buddhism, Islam, all of those religions date from about the 4th century BC. Chinese are a very old, old religion, you know, very long tradition. I lived in Korea for two years and we had mixed office. Half of us were Korean and half of us were American. And I was talking to them and one of them said, yeah, I know where my ancestors are buried clear back to the ten hundreds. And I can go to the graves of my ancestors and I can trace my lineage clear back to 1000 which in our society with a bunch of mongrels like we are is, is just incomprehensible but he thought what do you mean can't everybody trace their ancestors back and go to the grave of their father 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 clear back well no we can't we can't do that but what we do have is a far older society than that the Jews and they go clear back to Abraham and that's what the purpose of all these genealogies in the Bible people who are young in the Bible they hit all these lists of begats and they stall I know I did I've tried to read the Bible when I was in college and I hit this list of begats and I just stall because I didn't understand it but that list of begats is the thing that tells you that the modern Hebrew Jew is in fact part of that civilization that started back with Abraham and you can have confidence that the book is true because the promises that God made to those people you can see being worked out in their lives today so it is not the case that you have to depend on some revelation from God like Abraham got and like Moses got and like Hagar got I mean all of those people in today's Torah portion got direct revelation from God 
And for those of you who have had a revelation from God, praise God, cool. But you don't need that. That's not required for you to have confidence that what you believe is true. Nice if you get it. But even Abraham, who got it, lost confidence. In other words, the direct revelation of God to Abraham was not sufficient for him to maintain his confidence. Same thing with the children of Israel in the wilderness. The direct revelation of God to them was not sufficient for them to maintain their confidence. And what God says is, you have surer promises than they had. came up on uh, Tuesday night. We're in the book of Joshua. And one of the things that happens in Joshua, you have the direct intervention of God. And there's no doubt in Joshua's mind who God is. And one of the things that happens is you have theophanies, which is a fancy way of saying the appearance of God, either in the person of Yeshua or the angel of the Lord, directly into a situation. So as Joshua's gathered up around Jericho, he's walking out checking the guards, and he sees this guy standing there with a sword, and he says, are you for us or are you for them? No, I'm the commander of the Lord's host. And Joshua then falls down and worships. Today we have Melchizedek. Weird guy. I mean, truly weird. And he only shows up three times in the Bible. Shows up in today's Torah portion. He's going to show up in Psalm 110, and he's going to show up in the book of Hebrews. And that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. But again, you have these accounts of all of these things that people have written over the years, and every one of them at some point has lost confidence even the ones that God talked to directly in a culture that's 3,500 years removed from us. So the question becomes, what chance do you have to maintain your confidence? And what I'm telling you is you've got two things. Walk with God and walk in His ways, and you will taste and you will see that the Lord is good. That's thing one. But that's just enlightened self-interest. Following the Word of God is nothing but enlightened self-interest because your life will go much better. But thing number two is you can look around you and you can see the nation of Israel. You can see that that nation has been reconstituted, speaking the same language they spoke 3,500 years ago, in the same land that God promised them today in the book of Genesis. You can see that's happening. And what that tells you is this book that I'm reading in this culture that I really don't understand is true. And I can trust it. And if it's true and I can trust it, that means I can go out to a world that doesn't understand and is buried right now in abundance and hedonism. And they are. And as these people run into problems that are problems of abundance, I mean, addiction, for example, is a problem of abundance. If you're starving to death, you can't afford to buy booze. It's just the way it is. So we have all these problems of abundance, and as people then hit the wall, as they all do, you can be there, and you can speak into their lives with confidence. And that's the key. The key is being able to speak confidently, not tentatively. That's what Yeshua does in today's gospel reading. He speaks into those situations with absolute confidence, and it just rattles people. And that's what you need to be able to do. You need to be able to walk through this world 
with confidence that what you believe is true and can be trusted and that the Word of God will do what it says it will do. Close with a reading from Hebrews. Hebrews 3, starting in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Messiah, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So always, throughout Scripture, the problem is Abraham knows stuff. The generation in the wilderness knows stuff. The Jews at the time of the Messiah knew stuff. And every one of them lost confidence. And as they lost confidence, bad things started to happen to them. Confidence. Confidence.